What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Colorado Show, brought to you by Colorado Free Press and CD Media. I'm Ash, that's Todd, and uh, we're excited to hang out with you guys on Sundays, talk about all things Colorado, and especially uh, discuss what, what, what what's the truth between the headlines from the news that we're getting in Colorado here in the Centennial State. What's, what's the truth? Uh, before we jump in, Todd, I think um, since this is our first show, probably makes sense. For us to tell the audience a little bit about who we are do you uh do you want to go first buenos dias colorado and any other states in the surrounding area who may have accidentally started watching this yeah my name is todd watkins i am the current serving vice chairman of the el paso colorado uh republican party i say colorado because there is another probably better known el paso uh county in texas yeah. uh, i'm a retired border patrol agent and uh, you can find a lot of my uh, published works on uh, Colorado Free Press. I believe it says that right under my name, I think. Right, sure Ash did that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I'm Ash. I live in Douglas County and I've been writing about Colorado issues for half a decade now. Um, I'm a local columnist with the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle, a contributor to Colorado Free Press and Rhino Watch. I also do nine live shows on Badlands Media each week and I write for the Badlands Substack as well. You can find all of my all the all the shenanigans I do at the link beneath my name, which is linktree.com slash Ash in America. And it's always Ash with an E. All right. Uh, so first up, we have what I. I would refer to them as alarming bills. Uh, I, well, you know, I think one of them that we're going to talk about is 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 a great is a great proposition. But what, how, how would you characterize what's happening under the uh, Golden Dome? I would call it codifying communism, mm. or it. But, but technically, it's probably totalitarianism. But I like right. the alliteration, so I'm going to go with codifying communism yeah i generally call it communism as well um i i get there i had a uh um long debate with one of the editors-in-chief of a major what i would call commie outlet <laughs> in colorado uh, about whether or not what we're seeing is communism and where we ended up you know kind of finding common ground is that it's totalitarianism and that totalitarianism yeah. in all of his forms is um is reprehensible and, and we agreed on that we found common ground on that but but why i call it communism is the type of emotional plea that's being used to drive a very radical agenda all totalitarianism comes in through emotional plea, right? Whether it is yeah. anger and rage or, you know, more empathetic, uh, you know, you're killing grandma if you don't do what I say kind of stuff. And I, I think it's the latter that we see here, which to me, and this is not a academic, you know, uh, you yeah, know but that's what I, it turns I into. I study on it. Yeah. I just, I just call it communism. Plus it, it really, really triggers the communists. So I like that. Right. It. Nobody wants to be called a commie because we uh, kind of did that for since 1946. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Good times. All right. So let's get into, let's get into this first one. I'm putting this first. This is uh, Senate bill 24084, uh, Senate bill 84. Um, we're going to talk about this one first because I think it really characterizes a lot of, of why we're doing this show and where we need to be, um, you know, kind of jumping in. So this is attorney general duties to prevent miss and disinformation. Oh, miss and disinformation concerning a requirement that the attorney general undertake certain measures in an effort to prevent the proliferation of misinformation and disinformation and in connection therewith making an appropriation. Uh, so subvert the First Amendment and fund it is what I hear there. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we need to have a bet as to whether or not the Attorney General, Phil Weiser, Democrat, hires Nina Jankowitz for this study. <laughs> Scary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just want to see another video of her singing Teaspoon of Sugar. Oh, I don't. I, well, I definitely yeah. do not. Uh, Chris Cross says, uh, Chris R. Cross, excuse me, says many alarming bills, uh, 2A bill among many others. We're going to get it. We got a whole, we got a whole segment for you, Chris, on um, the Second Amendment attacks oh, yeah. that are happening. So I want to go through these, um, <laughs> these, these bullet points because I think they're hilarious. Uh, to prevent and combat the sharing and spreading of misinformation and disinformation, the attorney general is required to, and before I get to the bullet points, 
to combat the sharing and spreading of misinformation and disinformation. Who decides what is misinformation and disinformation? Who gets to decide? It's the government. Oh, really? Is it? Oh, my God. Um, It is. I think the first bullet should be to define misinformation and define disinformation. And let's see how twisted around an axle they get as to which is what. Because tell me, what is disinformation? What is misinformation? Well, my favorite is malinformation, which yeah, is this is bad. Which is which is uh, information that is objectively true but really hurts the regime. That's my <laughs> that's my favorite one. Um, so, so there's a second part to this. Give me a sec. Uh, here we go. Oh, we got to get the bullet point. So the first one: establish an initiative to encourage respectful engagement and discourse respectful engagement and discourse we have a uh, example of this so a letter that i received from a doctor of the 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 head of the chapter of colorado chapter leader of uh, gays against groomers and a member of the lgbt All right, come on Representative DeGraff, we are not going to use the word groomer or grooming in this debate. It is pejorative. It is speaking to personalities in violation of Rule 23D. Please find ways to express yourself without using pejorative words and transgressing the rules. Please continue. The name of their organization is what I read. They have a First Amendment right to name their organization whatever they want. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Representative. We're going to have a brief recess. <laughs> the, the Democrat standing next to him is just that, – that's priceless. She has no idea what to do in this scenario, so I'll fidget with my pen and start leafing through this, this uh, pamphlet that's in front of me to – because yeah. I have no idea what to say here. So as a uh, child of the 80s who came of age in the 90s, all I could think about is you can't say that on television. <laughs> um, well, that and uh, thy doth protest too much. Why are you so concerned about gays against groomers? Uh, it is not. It is. It is the name of the organization. They are people in the LGBTQ community that are the the line they draw is with children. And we're going to talk about some of the some of the bills um, about children that are coming up. But, uh, yeah, it's it it is you're stifling First Amendment activity. Our democracy, right, requires robust public debate. It requires being able to criticize the government, to criticize policies, to um, and, and gays against groomers has a right to be heard. So the fact that the you know the the chair there refuses to allow even their organizational name to be spoke, certainly we're not going to have robust debate on the issues that they're raising. Um, no, and a, a few days later. Uh, that was Representative Ken DeGraff from House District uh, 22 uh, here in El Paso County. A few days later, uh, I think it was a different chair pro tem, but he got gaveled down for using the term, the legal term, illegal alien, standing exactly where he was at that moment. So um, you can't even say the name of an organization or use a term that is codified in, into law. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we won't speak to to uh, we we're not going to talk to uh, personalities. Isn't that what he said there in that clip? Something. Uh, that yeah, gonna... something along those lines. Yeah, I don't see. Here's the problem I have: encourage What was it again? Encourage respectful engagement and discourse. Running around and calling everyone that disagrees with you a racist, a white supremacist, a bigot, uh, you know, all of all of these things. Nothing. There is nothing respectful about the way that conservatives in the state of Colorado within the government are treated. There's nothing respectful about how Scott Bottoms is treated. There's nothing respectful about how Ken DeGraff or Stephanie Luck or uh, Brittany. What's Brittany's last name? Oh, Uh, uh, Brandy Bradley. Brandy, thank you. Uh, yeah. There's nothing respectful 
about how the very small uh, minority of of ideological conservatives, because the majority of Republicans in the state uh, in positions of power and authority are not actually conservative. Well, they, they have to abuse and break their own policies in order to enforce their policies, right. what they want to get to. Right. That, think, that's justification. I think that means like it's that. equitable. Yeah, I think it's it's equitable policy application, maybe. <laughs> It's, you know, the, 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 what was the, the Vietnam philosophy? We got to burn the village down to save the village. So it's kind of brilliant. It's it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And, um, getting real triggered by use of the word groomer. Ooh, that he got, he got got testy about that. No, he sure did. Yeah. All right. Second, develop and share a curriculum. Oh, thank God. Another woke curriculum to facilitate productive and honest conversations regarding statewide and national issues to help people find common ground and collaborate with organizations across the state to develop and update the materials that are used in connection with the curriculum. Where is this curriculum going to be exercised? Everywhere. I, I, I know, Everywhere. right? So the third, so the second bullet bullet is develop the curriculum. The third bullet is leverage the public private partnerships across the state, the corporations, the education system, the NGOs, the government institutions, leverage all of that to then drive the curriculum. That's how all of this gets done. Uh, at at uh, four o'clock mountain time today, I do a show called culture of change over on Badlands media. And we talk about the anatomy of public private partnerships every single week and that is how it's how the sustainable development goals are developed at the united nations and show up in my son's classroom at castle rock you know in castle rock that's how that's how it works how they drive top-down change throughout our society in colorado and nationally i mean this is going to find its way into personal use of social media also this is going to turn out to be basically oh my gosh you're a prophet oh my (laughs) i'm i'm all prognosticating and stuff um do you want to read this one uh the attorney general is also required to study how the internet and other media uh channels uh including social media platforms are used to share and spread misinformation and disinformation again i really want to see definitions of what is misinformation and disinformation. I don't think they even know what the differences are. No one does, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, In addition, the attorney general is required to review relevant state and federal constitutional provisions and federal laws and regulations to address preemption and the intersection of state and federal authority. Uh, The attorney general may invite experts to collaborate or consult with the uh, attorney general that would be Nina Jankowitz, or provide other assistance to the attorney general in performing the duties specified in the bill. And Phil's going to have to publish a report and basically inform what the legislature is going to codify into law next. Yeah. So here's the thing. The thing is, is that this has already been studied and it's already been litigated. Uh, this, this case here is, I think this one is counterman. Yeah. This is counterman versus Colorado. This is where we, we get in, in the, in the case law that is in effect today, the Colorado test for a true threat, which is, it's not just the words, it's the context of the words. It's the environment that you're in. You know, are you at a political rally or are you at a, you know, are you going into somebody else's event that you're not invited to? The context matters. The re- the reaction of the audience matters. Whether it was planned remarks or contemporaneous matters, there there is already a way to determine this. And you might say, well, that's that's for that's for uh, speech. Uh, you know, um, th- that's for that's for speech in the traditional sense in uh, events and you know publication. What about the internet? What about social media? Well, that's been looked at and litigated as well in the Ninth Circuit with Obsidian Finance Group versus Crystal Cox. Every single time these types of issues that uh, the uh, the Attorney General and the um, communists <laughs> in the legislature yeah. doing his bidding, every time that the issues that they're raising have come before the courts, the the courts the courts rule in favor of the First Amendment. It doesn't matter that you think the information is bad. It doesn't matter that you think it's harmful. It doesn't matter that you think it's mis or disinformation. That's irrelevant when you take these issues into the courts because you cannot, any any law that is repugnant 
to the Constitution is null and void. You can't yeah. do it, AG. You can't do it, commies under the dome. Can't do it. Uh, you can, at least... I mean, you could try, and of course they're going to try. But they, but if 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 we push back, we take it to the courts. It'll probably make it through the Colorado courts. But when it comes before the Supreme Court, it will be struck down because you cannot do it. It is contrary to the First Amendment. It's interesting that the courts would apply a shall not be infringed uh, approach to the First Amendment, but they seem to miss it on the one amendment where that phrase actually exists. Well, are you talking about Colorado courts or regular courts? Uh, All of them. I mean, it's... I, I think the the feds have uh, ruled uh, errantly on that in a couple of instances, also. So, what about the? Uh, oh, I'm th- I'm forgetting the name. Um, the New York State Rifle. New York State. Oh, Bruin. Associ- Bruin. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. What about Bruin? Yeah. Uh, they did okay with that, uh, but they they have still the Supreme Court has still somewhat upheld a state's. In inherent ability to regulate and uh, and limit uh, firearms, they 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 have upheld you know the firearms bans in Illinois, so they they kind of took a you know individual state by state approach, which I get it you know there there's a little bit of Tenth Amendment in there. Each state kind of has its own inherent uh, you know sovereignty and authority sovereign authority to do what it wants in its own state, but. I look at the second amendment and man, I, I can't get past that shall not be infringed. It, uh, you know, except in certain places where maybe they don't like certain types of guns in certain, certain ways. It's, it's pretty, pretty clear. Well, yeah. I mean, we're jumping ahead to the fire. Yeah, oh, that's true. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> but, but no, I want, I want to, I want to go with it because I think it's a good discussion. What, um, what, why, why shall it not be for infringed? Oh, because, you know, because we like to go shooting and target practicing and, and sports and hunting and, and that sort of stuff. No, it has nothing to do with that. And you know what? It is, there is precious little argument that you could use that you have that in the context of the Second Amendment, just the Second Amendment, that it's to, uh, right to defend oneself against bad guys. I don't, I, I don't think that you could even find the framers of that particular amendment thinking about a home invasion in 1787. It was, that was a, a a foregone conclusion that you could protect your own property against, you know, Black Barton, the, uh, and the Marauders specifically to the second amendment. This was to, uh, for the, the militia, it starts off with the, the word words of militia, to prevent a tyrannical government, to keep the government in check. That's literally what it was for. So that the government could not disarm the population to then uh, oppress them. And Ash has gone black. We've lost Ash. Can you hear me? I can hear you. We can't you see can. you. Okay, so I can't hear you. I dumped my drink accidentally on my <laughs> keyboard and uh, my computer's having a meltdown at the moment. So um, I'm going to go ahead and play our first uh, our first couple sponsors here, and I will see okay. fix this situation. We will be right back. A commercial break while we handle no, talking. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. 
Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. This is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. Okay. Oh, you're back. I think I fixed it. <laughs> it was, that was... That's a complete disaster. Not the least of which is that I just wasted half of my $4 Red Bull. Yeah, yeah that, that stuff will kill you. It's the worst. Um, all right. All right. Sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. Thanks for bearing with us. I think we're going to, I think we're going to be okay. All right. So um, moving on from mis and disinformation, which is uh, it's, it's, it's really something that bill. And we're going to keep an eye on that. Uh, you know, as long as they're in session, we're going to be covering what they're doing in session yeah. on this show and uh you know it's it's always so much more fun and relaxing when the government <laughs> isn't working so we all look forward to the day they adjourn um all right so moving on to the next bill do you want to read this one re-entry workforce development cash assistance pilot program this bill creates the re-entry workforce development cash assistance pilot program in the Department of Corrections to provide cash assistance to persons who enroll and participate in workforce services or training programs after incarceration. The pilot program provides a total payment of up to $3,000 to eligible persons for basic life expenses. Uh, the bill creates re uh, requires the department to contract with an organization to administer the pilot program, perform an annual survey of pilot program recipients, and produce an annual report that is submitted to the judiciary committees of the Senate and house boy, the legislature loves to, uh, to, to, to start studies, right. You know, you yeah. Spend money well, to. So, I mean, I think yes, always. Uh, and that's, you know, going back to the miss and disinfo when that's one of the biggest issues that I have with it and why I brought up, uh, you know, obsidian obsidian group with, uh, um, versus crystal cox and why i brought up the ca the counterman versus colorado where we have the colorado test which is supreme court precedent which is you know the test for how we determine tr true threats we don't have to do we don't have to spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars to study this stuff it's already we, been done it's already been done we know the answer exactly um but as you said they love they love to study stuff now i don't think that it's that it's a wholly bad idea that if we want to rehabilitate people as they're coming out of prison, that there are resources available. The problem that I have is that right now there are resources available. And what we find is that those resources, when they're being provided by the government, end up being wholly ineffective and ineffective and corrupted. Well, and mind you, contract with organizations, these are going to be NGOs, uh, you know, some I don't know how many of them are what I would call charitable organizations, but so this would have to do with the, you know, the parole programs under, under a department of corrections. So somebody is released from prison early under a, uh, a the auspices of parole with, with requirements and uh, restrictions and give them money to start off. I, I don't know. I couldn't tell from the language of the bill, if this is somebody who just does their time, gets out and there are no, any sort of probation or parole attached to it. If, if they're part of it also, it's yeah, not, and we don't, we just have the summary enough. up, not, yeah. the, not the text of the bill, but that's definitely, definitely a great point. Um, and worth looking into what are the, what are the requirements? Cause let's see how the, how this language reads, uh, pilot, pilot, does it say qualified anywhere? It doesn't. No, they they have to well. enroll and participate in workforce services. So it, it probably would then uh, apply to, you know, 
inmates who are who are released completely the 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 old way of expressing it was kill your number meaning that uh your your inmate number your department of corrections number was was done there were no other requirements you if you were sentenced to x number of years you served all x number of years and you're not being released early on parole you're just done so you register with this ostensibly you get three thousand dollars um i mean it's, it's it sounds like it's well intended, but it I would also is. like I would also like to point out the fact that uh, the the migrant influx seems to have taken a lot of money off the books, and uh, there are certain municipalities who are now cash strapped. So I wonder how long these uh, you know American rehabilitated inmates will get their three thousand dollars before it goes to the the crush of migrants uh, entering the state. Yeah, agreed. And we're going to talk about migrants here in just a minute more broadly. The next bill that I want to uh, touch on, uh, House Bill 1092, minimum sentence crimes against prostituted children concerning requiring a minimum period of incarceration for persons who commit acts against prostituted children. Under current law, various crimes related to child prostitution are class three felonies. These crimes include soliciting for child prostitution, one type of pandering of a child, procurement of a child, keeping a, keeping a place of child prostitution, pimping a child, inducement of a child of child prostitution, and patronizing a prostituted child. This bill, the bill, requires a court to sentence a person convicted of one of these crimes to the Department of Corrections for a term at least the minimum of the pre presumptive range for class three felony, which is four years. Under the current law, the crime of pandering of a child is either a class two or class three felony, depending on the conduct involved. Pandering that you that uses menacing or criminal intimidation to induce the child to commit prostitution is a class two felony. The bill requires a court to sentence a person convicted of this type of pandering to the Department of Corrections for a term of at least the minimum of the presumptive range for a class two felony, which is eight years. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb, Todd. And say that the people who won't tolerate you saying the word groomer aren't even going to let this bill be heard. They hate this bill. Yeah. The Democrats hate this bill. They are all aflame about this. In fact, I believe that they were actually, this is a, this bill I believe is contrary to some earlier uh, legislation to uh, actually minimize and, and uh, I think make it a misdemeanor certain acts of uh you know child sexual conduct to reduce it to a misdemeanor um class two and what, what what would be what would be what would be a non-malicious motive for that uh there isn't mm. how, how could how could there be how could there Agreed. be yeah, yeah uh, agreed. Yeah, th but that's there, like, how can you make it? It was that a friendly argument? molestation of a child. Yeah, yeah. The child wanted it. Yeah, she was asking for it. Or he was. I mean, come on. It's just it's ridiculous. despicable. Yes, it's despicable. It is. And that's the thing is that that we, um, those of us who are, and I, I, I'm not a Republican. I'm. If you, if anybody's read my column, I'm. Mo most of my writing is about Republicans, and I'm very, very critical about Republican. Um, the Republican establishment in this state and Republican policies and where they focus and spend their attention broadly. I mean, you and I were having this conversation yeah. earlier today. I'm very, very critical of, of this, but where the um, right side of the country, people who, you know, are not communists where, and that's the, the goalpost has moved so much that anybody who's not a communist is on the right side of the country. Welcome guys. Um, so, so anybody that's on the right side of the country gets painted with a brush that you are a bigot, that you hate gay people, you hate trans people, you don't want them to exist. That's all bullshit. I mean, at least it is for me. I, I, I've been very clear since I've ever started public, pu you know, speaking publicly about this issue. Kids are my line. Kids are my line. Yeah. And, and, and the idea we're going to get, in fact, that's a great segue to, um, to this bell which is everybody everybody knows and loves 
the uh, non-legal name changes bill concerning non-legal name changes for kids in school. Youth Advisory Council Review Committee Section 1 of the bill requires public schools to uh, and institute charter schools to use a student's preferred name if a preferred name is requested by the student and deems a school's refusal to use the student's preferred name a form of discrimination. And then it, you know, goes through how it creates that. It also is encouraged um, by the people pushing this bill to keep this stuff from your parents. Any adult that is telling a child to keep something from their parents, this is just going to be our little secret. But that adult is not a safe person. That adult is a dangerous person. That's a stranger danger thing. And a lot of the, um, I don't have the stats on this, um, but but instances of child sexual abuse come with someone who they know, a teacher, a coach, a pastor, a youth pastor. There's a whole big um, international house of prayer scandal going on right now. And I'm, again, I'm not, a Republican, I'm not going to pick a partisan side of the issue of protecting children. I am a survivor of sexual abuse. And I think that people that are trying to make it easier for children to be sexually abused should be put in prison. That there's, there's that, right. There's the, the obvious, you know, this is, this feeds into that whole sexual dysphoria and sexualization of children. True. But doesn't this also further the uh move the line along for making children property of the state wards of the state this is the government the government is your safe place we'll protect you from your parents yeah it's, it's, the, it's you pretty be, gross. They become the government's parents right it's not just the sexual part the sexualization part which is there i i i, I don't dispute that but this really does make our kids our property of the state it, it yeah. furthers that agenda along i think and that's been a goal for a long time, right? It takes yeah, a village. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, it it's, takes a village. It takes a legislature. But going back to what we were talking about at the top, th this is the, the you know, one of the key features that we see of totalitarianism, whether we're talking about fascism or communism or any flavor of totalitarianism is be in between is to get to the youth, to, to co-opt yeah. the minds of the youth so that you can brainwash them into being a part of your uh, you know, totalitarian regime in, in, in this case, communism. Yep. Um, it's yeah, it, it is the, the, the whole, nobody's coming after your children thing is a big ass lie. Uh, so the next bill that I want to talk about, um, I'm going to tee it up first with the story of how, and this is, you know, that was a bill, this is a ballot measure, but, the, but the piece of legislation sponsored by uh, V Hill representative V Hill is, you know, attempting to keep, you know, keep, keep the bubble around the, let the kids have a separate identity at school, let them engage in behavior that would not be okay with the parents at school and keep it from the parents. This next um, initiative that we're going to talk about 142 was born out of the story of Aaron Lee. And you're familiar with this story. Do you yes. want to uh, talk about it? So Aaron Lee, her, uh, it will 12 year old daughter, uh, was taking part in an after-school uh, art club and come to find out after the, her daughter started talking to her about, Hey, I think I'm, I might be a different gender. Uh, Aaron Lee, the mom realized that this was not an art club at all. This was essentially uh, grooming and, you know, convincing these kids that you're transgender, you're non-binary, you're, you're not who you think you are. Uh, total brainwashing operation. Yeah. And you can see here down in the third paragraph, parents don't have to approve what clubs and activities their children participate in uh, cha uh, equal access act. Anybody who is targeting children, recruiting, they're recruiting children to mm -hmm. this alternate lifestyle and they'll tell you well the children are already there they're already in that lifestyle and the parents are oppressing them so we have to come in and we have to protect them and we have to provide a safe space for them and that can be a um very dangerous place for those kids if even just one of those people pushing that agenda or pushing the you know recruiting in this sense is um is a bad actor 
And we see, you know, again, today's the Super Bowl, biggest sex trafficking day in the year. We see that, uh, you know, 83% of people that are trafficked are American citizens. Um, a third of them are children. And there is a war on children. I did a show last night on Raising a Nation over on Badlands about this issue of trafficking. And this is probably a good segue into our next topic of migrants. But um, we we did the, you know, talking about the issue of trafficking and, and the, the war on children. There is a war on children. There's a movie coming out by Robbie Starbuck and his wife called War on Children. And it digs specifically into how um, kids are being targeted and they're being mutilated. They're being sterilized. And anybody that tells you that what I'm saying, Hey, AG wiser, if you're going to say that what I'm saying is misinformation and disinformation, let's go to the science because they are cutting the breasts off of young teenage girls. They are mutilating the genitals of, of young girls and young boys. Check out the forearms. And this is happening and we're told, oh, but it's, it's that, that's their identity. We're talking about children. And as a society, the one thing we should all be able to agree on is protecting children. And unfortunately, there is um, a whole, whole group of people that think the children belong to them and they should be able to raise them instead of the parents. Very dangerous place to be, especially considering how many of them are under the, the dome. No, it's true. Um, I, I believe Biden has made some comments to that effect. He, he's he's trying to sound magnanimous, but he's really betraying the idea. There, there's no such thing as your kids. Mm -hmm. In other words, there are kids, meaning they belong to us, the government. I mean, I, I, I think he probably thought he was coming off as saying it's the, the nation's kids. We all love them. They're all one big family. no read between the lines. Absolutely. Yeah. It's they, they want them to be wards of the state. How is this not uh, just a, a, a replay of, of Maoist China? Yeah. Yeah. Well, communism. Um, all right. So that is the, the bill uh, um, that representative V Hill and the co-sponsors uh, Faith Winter and Janice Marchman are putting forward the the bill that um, Aaron Lee has, uh, you know, sparked uh, not a bill ballot measure, yeah. taking it directly to the to the voters. Parental notification of gender incongruence. Uh, this, you know, defines its terms. Gender incongruence means a perceived difference between a child's biological sex and their child's perceived or desired gender. And public education representative means any public education administer, teacher, nurse, contractor, volunteer, or any other person associated with public education. There is a duty to report to the parents if the child is um, experiencing gender incongruence at school, meaning they have to tell the parents. You can't hide it from the parents. To me, it is uh, pretty incredible that we're at a point in our society where we have to make you that actually have to codify this. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm old enough to remember where if you were acting funny in school, the 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 teacher would probably call the parents and say, you know, something's not quite right here. Right. He's, you know, right. not acting like the child that was enrolled. Yeah. 100% agree. Um, all right. So that is 142. So as that moves through the process, we'll continue yeah. to uh, to watch that. And that will be because it's a ballot measure. It'll need signatures. I think it's in title yep. board right now, but it'll need signatures. And so we'll, uh, you know, we'll be sharing that as that comes up. Uh, briefly touch on 117. Um, and, and we'll take like literally one minute on this. Well, I don't know that I can say literally when <laughs> I can't do anything in a minute, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll hit this shortly. Cause I do, I do want to get onto the next couple topics. So one seventeen is the, uh, well, first of all, it went to the title board and uh, many uh, freedom minded people called into it and uh, convinced the title board that it was actually not one issue. It was actually four issues. So title one, uh, prop one seventeen uh, has four main lines of effort. One is to abolish assembly and uh, ballot access for candidates would be solely through petition. 
Uh, number two is everybody who qualifies for the ballot would be on one single primary ballot. This is typically called jungle primary. So regardless of affiliation, all those, all candidates for office would be on one single ballot. Everybody gets to vote in the primary. And here's the, the twist, the special Colorado flavor to this is the top four vote getters on a, on any uh, office on a primary, regardless top, of party, regardless of party, uh, all the top four vote getters advance to the general election. So you could literally have a situation, and I would argue that you will probably have a situation where only one party advances to the general election. This this is how you get a one one party rule, and then the general election would be a, uh, a ranked choice voting. There is one other uh, uh, effort on in 117, which is the uh, elimination of vacancy committees to fill a an office vacancy. So if the, uh, the representative in House District, whatever, re- resigns, goes away, quits, then instead of the party who filled that seat having a vacancy committee and appointing uh, someone to fill it, it would go to a special election. So you just, you redo, you have another election for that district. I don't really have a problem with that. I, I'm kind of okay with that, especially when you consider that something like just shy of 30% of the state assembly is uh, occupied by people who were put there through the vacancy committee process. Mm-hmm. They were not elected in a general election. They were, you know, uh, a vacancy committee by a uh, however large that that committee is usually 70 80 maybe 100 people uh, but how many show up a couple dozen and then they appoint tim hernandez for one is a vacancy committee appoint appointee okay I'm super and that's how glad you get the really radical people in there yeah i'm super glad that i retracted my literally because that was three <laughs> minutes um yeah so it's it's stuck right now correct it failed uh, through title board because it's not a single subject it's three yeah, different they, subjects it's dealing with ballot access primary changes to the primary and changes yeah. to the general mm-hmm. they're gonna have to split it there's also like 47 other bills that they all got they all, they all got knocked down for this right. for the same reason so they got till april something or other to come back and and push it through however comma um the petition the petition only that that apparently snuck past us uh, over a month ago. So that will be on your that that has been approved to gather signatures. So the petition only is out there, and there's one other that made it too that we didn't like. And I forgive me, I can't remember right now. But there, there's going to be All a couple good. that they're going to gather petitions signatures for. Yeah, I wanted to just quickly show. Uh, this is from New York Times this week. Ranked choice voting could be on the ballot in four states, a sign of the system's <laughs> rising popularity. Todd, do you think that, that ranked choice voting being on the ballot here in Colorado has anything to do with its popularity among the people? No, it, this is kind of like socialism. Yeah, well, they just didn't do it right. We'll do it right here. Ranked choice voting has been applied in a number of places from state level to local level. And I think the it's something like 80 or 85 percent of the places that implemented it uh, got rid of it or actively trying to get rid of it because it's a disaster. Uh, yeah. For one thing, you can try and do a recount. Yeah. Uh, try yeah. try to try to audit well, that. It's, it, it, so it's it's wholly centralized. It is. Yeah. Um. You you it requires machines. You cannot mm-hmm. do it manually, right? Um. It is a radical transformation of our election system in Colorado after three years of being told that our election system is the gold standard of the nation and above reproach. And how dare you question it? And how dare you think that we should, you know, roll back and and go back to the dark ages of local control of elections and hand counting of paper ballots? That's crazy. But it's not crazy to centralize it further away to basically abolish the parties. They're not abolishing parties, but they are abolishing caucus and primary, essentially, at least as we understand them today. So the the, and another problem with ranked choice voting is um, you the way it's normally uh, conducted is you have to vote for 
two, three, or four, whatever, whatever the number is that that's prescribed. You, you know, you can vote for two, three, four, let's say it's four. You vote for four candidates. You have to vote for four. If you don't mark four, the, the ballot is spoiled and thrown out. It's not counted. So you yeah. have to vote for however many it says that you must vote for. So you, you could potentially more. So they're going to force you to vote for, let's say a, a Donald Trump or yeah. a Hillary Clinton. There you go. Otherwise, forced you, you, yep. you, you, ha- you can rank them last, but you have to vote for them. That is so gross. That's right. And They're just going to make uh, people not vote. That's going to that's going to engage in greater voter suppression than anything else. Bingo. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you just captured it right there. Reduce the participation. Yeah. So it goes. All right. We have 15 minutes left, 14 minutes left and uh, <laughs> like 17 more stories to do. So we will probably hold let's hold firearms till next week we talked a little bit about it but i've got Ooh, like, hold your fire till next week i like that are any of these firearm bills happening this week i think let's see one let's jump let's is. jump we're gonna some calling an audible here we're gonna go over to the rocky mountain gun owners page because these guys have the best summary for us here uh let's see what we got going on oops wrong one those are all to be determined so those haven't a lot of these haven't they're they're Right, but there some are some are... that here we go. Yeah. Uh so expanding gun free zones. Uh we've got restricting concealed carry. We know. So all these bills, okay, two eight uh this was the merchant category yeah. codes here that yeah. hearing yeah. took place. So we're gonna continue to for to, to follow um probably every single week. We're gonna look at how Colorado is oppressing the Second Amendment or attempting to circumvent the Second Amendment and the first. Because uh, there is absolutely that um, that happening. Let's jump in to migrants and talk about the 400,000 projected migrants in the state of Colorado, the 40,000 that we know of. And yeah. um, some of these stories, some of these stories are pretty epic. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this is going back to the end of January. This is, with, this is from Nine News. And uh, I, pu- I pulled this in because I wanted I wanted to read the quotes from um, from Miss Casas, who runs Viva Wellness, leading the effort by nonprofits to help people who've arrived here from the southern border. As the city prepares to resume discharging migrant families from shelters Monday, she's still trying to figure out how, exactly how it'll be possible to keep them from being homeless. Quote, there's no more room. There's no more funding, Casas said. Something has to be done. To the point that I even requested myself that we close Denver. I don't want to see people on the street. That's not who we are. On Monday, 100, and this has already passed this Monday, 150 people will be discharged from the shelters. More will follow every day. The first day we have 22 families. We don't know what to do. They're like, we don't know where to go. Uh, and then she goes over here uh, on the next page here. Um, say that we're closed for now. Not forever, but we've got to address this right now. Denver has done so much. Something is going to happen. It's going to collapse if people keep coming and we still have people that we don't know what to do with. It's unsustainable. It's unsustainable to continue spending at this rate, says John, John Ewing with Denver Human Services. We know that. So they know that it's unsustainable and um, we we know... <laughs> So you what know, you know, you know, I it just got, I can't even, I can't, you can't, you can't, you can't make this up. <laughs> you know, you know, it just got real when the lefties are saying it's unsustainable. Close Denver. <laughs> Close it. Please. Build a for wall the love of God. It. <laughs> Don't um, let yeah, Denver no, infect the rest of the state. Uh, it is, uh, it is insane. This is one of my absolute favorite stories. That we had this one also comes to us from uh nine news uh you know sometimes the commies admit the truth on accident uh this is all the, the, na- the neighbors saying no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, denver awesome. sees little support from other cities even even as it asks for help <laughs> dealing with migrants uh 80 81 million dollar budget deficit 180 million problem. 180 uh, million dollar 180 million shortfall for the city yeah, it, and this, uh, my favorite comment here is is Ryan Trujillo, the deputy chief of staff for operations for the mayor of Colorado Springs. In Colorado Springs, we definitely do not want to welcome this crisis to our community. So it, it's important for people to know that the city of Colorado Springs 
I, uh, most people look at you know the Springs and and El Paso County writ large as as red as Republican. It, it's true to a certain extent. However, I would not characterize the city government, the city, the managers of Colorado Springs as as even remotely conservative. So it, this is particularly hysterical to watch them say we don't want that crisis down here. Boy, it was sure fun and felt really good to watch Denver do exactly all this ideological BS that we thought was just a feel good thing. But then when they said, Hey, we need some help from you. They said, Oh, you know what? We're busy. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's like your, like your friend, your quasi friend needing help with moving. Oh, you know, I really like you, but yeah, I'm busy. I can't help you move. Uh, so no, they want nothing to do with it. Th- there's the truth. There's this, this is truth. Yeah. So I, you know, mentioned Colorado Springs, um, you know, could, not, the, the government isn't red. The people I think in Colorado yeah. are pretty red. Uh, but what about Boulder? <laughs> uh, Boulder yeah. doesn't want to play either. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have for the last year or so been enabling our staff to go down and work some shifts at sheltering operations in Denver, and we will continue to promote that opportunity. Smaller communities mean that we have fewer resources available, fewer sheltering options than Denver. Uh, no one, this is, this is the, this is the, the, the crux of the article. No one denies there's a problem in Denver, but no one wants to make it their problem too. And, I mean, yeah, because yeah. it's it's their own fault. They de- they declared themselves to be a sanctuary city and then they became a sanctuary city. And then they realized what it meant to be a sanctuary city. And they're, now they're like, hey, why isn't anybody else helping me? And, you know, how um, many how many of these other places, you know, uh, cheered them on? Yeah, right. It, Absolutely. Uh, I've got a 54 second clip here. Just to show you where the narrative is going, it's now Republicans' fault. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. Uh, I'm here to talk a little bit about the devastating impact of the failure of Republican leadership in Congress this week to pass comprehensive immigration change and the impact that will have on both city budgets and on services that we can provide for newcomers in the city. The second is we will start to have to greenlight a set of hard decisions about budget reductions across the city to meet those costs that we know will continue to arrive. Um, we want to talk about two of those today. While they're the first steps, they unfortunately will not be the last and may not be the hardest. Um, uh, this is a plan for shared sacrifice. And so in terms of our first step on city cuts, um, we are announcing today we will make some changes both uh, to our services at DMV and to our services on parks and rec. Uh, That's awesome. It. It's totally the Republicans fault because they didn't pass a, uh, the, the board, the border bill, um, with a gun to their heads. So was it the Republicans fault two months ago before that bill was even a thing? I mean, I didn't hear them crying about it then, but now that there's, there's this, this uh, hypothetical or notional deal being made, which by the way, is nothing. It's, it's somewhere between a red herring and a Trojan horse. So could we call it a uh, Trojan herring then? (laughs) Um, It's first of all, the, the principal purpose of this border deal bill is to give Ukraine a a, a whack ton of money. That's really what it's for. That that's that's and and Israel. It's more more funding of other stuff. Oh yeah, and by the way, we can close the border. Well, guess what, kids? Um, I did this job for 24 years. You don't need any other acts of Congress. You don't even need to write Congress a letter, send them a smoke signal, anything to close that border. Congress already gave the Department of Homeland Security and all of its subparts the the necessary authorities and duties requirements to do exactly that. They don't need any more legislation. It's already exists in law. The fact that they're not doing it, they're actually, they're actually derelict. It's their fault. This is their fault that they created this crisis and now they want to make it everybody else's problems. Uh, Cajun says as if the lines at the DMV weren't long enough already. (laughs) Here's the thing, guys, 
anything that they're cutting means it's non-essential. If we can get rid of the park and rec services that they're that they're cutting, if we can get rid of the DMV services that they're cutting to deal with a crisis that they created themselves, then it never should come back. The taxpayer so, should never have to fund that again. I don't live in Denver, so I don't get a say in this. But if I did, you that would that's how I would be lobbying. If you can cut these services to deal with this crisis you created, those services are done. You never get that funding back. We don't need it. And whatever it oversees, especially at the DMV, whatever those services are, get rid of them. If that means that they can't charge you to register your car anymore, whoops, so be it. Non-essential. Don't need it. Taxpayers don't need it. You created and, this problem. You're gonna you're 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 gonna yep. sleep in the bed. And and if you're if you're not able to renew your license or your registration, if you get pulled over, I mean, I haven't seen any police ever pull somebody over for a registration problem in Colorado. All you got to do is say that you're a migrant. Yeah. This it's yeah. that's that's free pass land right there. Yeah, absolutely. Crisscross says uh, we didn't, we didn't, we in Denver didn't vote for this. Yeah, well, we don't know who voted for what in the state of Colorado because our elections are a black box, and if you attempt to ask questions about them, you are labeled and persecuted and tracked and put on lists and defamed right. and slandered. So, uh, you know, we don't know what you guys in vote in Denver voted for, but I damn sure it probably wasn't this. Because this is this is bananas, and nobody, even the commies in Boulder, don't want this. <laughs> That's so awesome! It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but you know, final. This is our final, our final thing that we're going to hit. Just so everybody, you know, just just so you know, your your local your local uh, your local journalists in Colorado are taking this very seriously. They are not going to call them migrants anymore. Yeah, that totally fixes it. So problem solved. Yeah. 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 They're, they're calling them new, new, uh, new immigrants or something like that. New, I, I think that's a term. It sounded like a ninety, like an eighties new wave band Look, name. The, the new, the here, new immigrants or something. Either yeah. they came here illegally of their own accord, or they were trafficked here. They're either criminals or victims. Well, it's it. it they're illegally yeah. present. And the right. the arguments that I keep saying, well, no, they got documents. The border patrol gave them documents. No. No, we didn't. <laughs> That's not how that no, works. The I, NGOs that met them on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the border gave them documents, and now they believe that they're here legally because they were not. handed a document, and they're not. No, and no, we, the uh, paperwork you know. we give them is actually it's a summons to court. That's not yeah. a doc. That's not documentation. They have no legal status here. It, this yeah. this is massive abuse of the uh, parole authority of the Secretary of Homeland Security. So. All right. Well, uh, first show in the books next week. I will try not to dump something on top of my keyboard and make the show go down for a few minutes. So I apologize for that, everybody. That was, uh, I'm gonna have to buy a new keyboard now. I'm pretty sure that one's done. So it's, it's over there because when the ad was playing, I tossed it. So uh, who needs keyboards? Yeah, it's unnecessary, superfluous. Uh, as as a reminder, this um, this show is brought to you by the Colorado Free Press, which is on CD Media. You can head over to the Colorado Free Press. We are going to be spotlighting more Colorado Free Press content on this show week after week, and uh, that's where you can get so you can get some some news that shows you what's going on beneath the headlines. Todd and I are both contributors over there, so make sure that you check that out. Um, I will be over on Badlands Media at 6 p.m. today. We are talking about the water, the critical infrastructure um, hearing on our water supply and water systems vulnerabilities to our water supply that was uh, happened on Tuesday of last week. It was a very interesting hearing, so we'll be talking about that over there in an hour. And uh, you and I will be back here next Sunday at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Mountain. Yeah, Mountain. Thanks everybody for tuning in. And uh, yeah, we, we appreciate you and please on your way out, please hit that thumbs up button wherever you're watching. If you're watching on Getter or Twitter or Rumble, wherever you are, please smash the thumb, especially if you're on Rumble. It's the number one metric that uh, the platform looks at. So check it out. Um, smash the thumb. We'll see you guys back here next week to discuss what what fresh hell we're gonna have this week under the dome? And, and 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 to report on the unanimous decision by the Supreme Court against Colorado. Absolutely, yeah, it might be the whole show. 
next week if we do get a decision <laughs> by then because I've been covering that I, I've been covering that case since the trial court anybody who watched it knows that my name was read into the record because they said I was illegally streaming as a local columnist and credentialed member of the press on the Badlands channel with the Badlands logo on the feed they totally misrepresented the facts to the court but you know rules don't matter to commies so um, yes next week we will absolutely be talking about the 9-0 if it's 8-1 it's Sotomayor first of all that's that's my gut instinct if it, yeah. if it goes eight one it's Sotomayor otherwise I think it's nine zero I do think it's going to be nine zero how embarrassing for them take care everybody we'll see you guys next week